I will just, I won't say her name. I'll just say past guest. How yeah. about that? Yeah, How about that's that? fine. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I'm fine with sharing the story because it's very funny. This is Van Color. My name is Mo Amir, and today on This is Van Color, I am joined by a returning guest. 50-something episodes later, he is back all the way from episode 37, one of the funniest episodes that I ever recorded. He is a drummer who has toured with the likes of Hey Ocean and Chaos. He is a competitive curler, amassing five medals at the BC Men's Provincials. But you, of course, know him as one of the funniest comedians in Vancouver. You've seen him on Just for Laughs. You've heard him on The Debaters. His comedy album, Most Likely to Be a Comedian, which is exactly what he was voted as in high school, has topped the iTunes charts, and he just recorded a second comedy album, which we will get into. He also hosts two podcasts, The Very Funny Blocked Party, about very funny people getting blocked by very famous people, and The P.O.D. Cast, also a very funny podcast, all about new metal. Apparently, he's a substitute teacher as well. The man, the myth, the legend. He is John Cullen. John! Wow. Mo, again. How are you? You crushed it with the intro, dude. Oh, I'm so excited to see you. You're the intro guy. I'm excited (laughs) to see you too, man. I had such a great time doing your show last time. And uh, I remember last time you had a great intro. And once again, you you nailed it. I had to top that last intro. You crushed it. I just want to make sure so that your listeners don't think I'm a fraud. Did I flub something? No, no. It just, we didn't tour with Hey Ocean or Chaos. I played, I opened for them. But it wasn't a tour. I don't want people to be like, ooh. You know, because Chaos, you know. He's, they he, were on tour, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were on tour. It's fine. <laughs> it is fine. I just, you know, Chaos could be a future guest of this program. And you'll be like, hey, you know John Cullen. And he'll be like, what? <laughs> so I just want to get that out there, you know. It's uh, been a mean minute, man. It has been a mean minute. Yeah. A, a year almost. Well, actually, last I saw you. I was sitting front yes. row at Centennial Theater yes. in North Van. Becca and I talked about my girlfriend Becca and I talked about that before I got here. They use you and Steve Patterson had a little uh, repartee. <laughs> we did, yeah. mostly him, uh, you know, roasting me. Yeah, he was sh- he was shitting <laughs> on you pretty good. Uh, but yeah, it was funny because it, I didn't realize like I was in the wings at the time because my debate was first or second second I think. Yeah, and uh, so I was in the wings at the time, and I heard him like talking to Mo. You know, but then I didn't. And then when I got out on stage and I looked out, I was like, oh, <laughs> it's Mo. Like, I, I know it's a Mo. I know. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, you did good. You handled you did well. Yeah, I was sweating bullets. You've, I feel like you've interviewed enough comedians, though, that, you know, you know, to like, you know, you got to roll with it. You got to roll can't with resist it. it. No. Right. Let Isn't that happen. the thing in improv? You always got to say yes. You can't say exactly. no. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And you got to know when to be quiet. That's the main thing. Like if you're, if you, if you want to, no comedian likes you to interrupt their show, mm. but if you are going to interrupt and not, you didn't interrupt mm-hmm. just to be clear, no, he Steve, picked on me. Steve picked on you yeah. just to be clear. But like if, if a comedian addresses you or if you're the type of person who interrupts a show, which you shouldn't, but you got to know when it's over. Yeah. You got to know, like if you've lost or like if it's, you just got to know when especially if you're a heckler, the comedian, you know, shuts you down, they get a laugh, then it's done. You got your moment. You can tell your friends about it tomorrow (laughs) after you sober up, but like, that's it. Stop talking. Yeah. And to be clear, 
I was not looking you for that. You were not looking. I stumbled at, into exactly. it. Exactly. And it I'm was not, a first round knockout from him. He won. <laughs> I took it. But that's I what laughed. I'm saying. Good time. You were perfect. You, you did great. <laughs> he picked on you. You gave him the answers he wanted. And then when he moved on, you were done and it was perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. How has COVID been for you? Like so much has changed from that time. That was February. Yeah. And like the whole fucking world changed. Yeah. It all changed. You doing good? I'm good. Healthy? I'm healthy. You didn't get the COVID? No, I got tested a couple of weeks ago because I had a cough for like a week, which is just like a regular, like it wasn't even bad. It was just like I'd cough like five or six times a day. And mm. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. Should I go get tested? So I did. And I'm fine. The first month I was so paranoid. Oh, I was yeah. literally checking my temperature every 30 minutes. I was like, maybe that's a fever coming on. And it would always be the same. The same. Yeah. I, I have bad allergies. So that was like allergies were brutal this year. So that was the other thing too, is like, especially once we got back to phase two, because we record the podcast uh, block party, we record at my house, the studios mm-hmm. in my house. Um, so we were, you know, once it got back to phase two, once it got into phase two and we could open up our bubble a little bit, we were like, okay, we want to open up the bubble, but then we'd start to like, you know, but then it'd be, we'd be recording on a Sunday or something and I'd wake up Sunday morning and I'd be like coughing and I'd be like, Oh, I don't know if I can have Stefan in the house. This might be, this might be a problem, you know? So that, yeah, it's. But it's fine. Like, I think, I don't know. It's hard to for me to really talk about COVID because I feel like it's been much worse for many other people. So I, I'm just, for me overall, it's been pretty good. So, But even for people who kept their jobs, were healthy in terms of not getting COVID or didn't lose anyone or didn't have anyone affected by COVID, it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster, I found. But you feel, it sounds like you're pretty even keel. I was pretty even keel. I mean, I think, yeah, aside from the like waking up with allergies and being like, I'm I'm dead. I'm going to die. This is it. You can't take a Benadryl or a reactant for that? I mean, I could, but I don't. So It's <laughs> a game changer. I know. I know. I know. But I don't, I just don't want to be that. I just don't want to take it all the time. Right. You know, I don't want to. I take a reactant every day. Every day. I don't necessarily need it every day, but I feel like I'll go a couple days without it and then my allergies will fly Right. Up. But see, like, that's what I'm saying, though. That's the problem. Kinda you probably don't it. want it. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I don't need it every day, but you're also <laughs> taking it every day. So probably fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, so don't, don't take my advice, but I think, yeah, overall for me, it's been okay. It's been okay. I, it was weird because yes, like obviously there are some emotional challenges and I think having a partner, like, um, my girlfriend and I have been together for two and a half years. So like when COVID started, we were just, you know, or no, not even. So we've been together about two years and a couple months. So when COVID started, it was like two years and, um, yeah, I think you, it's like it's challenging from that point of view where you mm-hmm. you know you're used to going to work every day and having time away from from your partner and everything and and not that it was bad. I mean it was you know it was really good in a lot of ways, but, but I think also too you're, yeah. yeah, you're you're in the same space for like 24 hours a day. So that's and your relationship an survived. Yeah, I mean yeah, we're great. Thrived. Thrived. Yeah. I mean, it's good. Everything's good. But I think that was the, like, if, if anything, I think that's probably the, you know, that was like the biggest thing Interesting. Was, was just like, oh, okay. Like we got to learn to not like want to like more me, like I'm annoying. Like, I think it's more, my, it's more my fault. It's more like <laughs> Becca had to learn how to put up with me being home for 24 hours a day. Right. Cause I'm a busy guy. As you said, I have yeah. lots of, you know, I'm a teacher and a comedian and a podcast. So like, 
you know, during the year, like it's, it's pretty regular for me to like teach all day and then do something at night, whether that's a comedy show, whether that's go play hockey, whether yeah. that's curl, you know, so and all that stuff was shut down. All that shut down. At home. I'm at home all that. So, you know, so yeah, I think for her, it was probably, she's probably like, holy smokes, <laughs> what am I getting myself into here? But no, but it's, it, it was really good. But I think that was the biggest like difference I would say yeah. for us anyway. Like, yeah, as I said, we're, we're lucky. Like, do you feel like you learned anything or have learned anything through this process so far? Um, I think I've learned a lot about humanity in like a weird way in both in like both in like both good and bad ways. Like I, like I think, I think COVID has brought out the best in the best people and it's brought out the worst in the worst Mm. people. So it's like people I already was like, I don't know if I like you. Um, (laughs) They confirmed it. Yeah. They confirmed it. They, (laughs) they were the ones who were really out there trying to make me hate them more. Um, And people who had a, had a positive attitude through all of this Mm. and were, you know, trying their best. And, and, you know, I I think I just have a lot of, I, I gained a lot of respect for people, not just for like being kind, but also just for like persevering through a lot of, you know, I know people that lost family members and couldn't Mm. go to funerals and people who had to cancel their weddings that they'd been planning for a year and all like all the stuff that goes into that. Uh, you know, I had a friend who was supposed to get married in May. Uh, they bought a house in December. So they, you know, like moving into a brand new house, it's kind of a fixer upper. So Mm -hmm. they've been doing renovations on their house, getting ready for this wedding. The wedding gets canceled you know like i just think there are a lot of people who had a lot of challenges and they they face them in like a very admirable way i would say cool yeah Yeah. but for me personally i i don't know that i will like come out of this being like whoa i'm a changed man everything i'm i'm so good now (laughs) i was such an asshole before and now i'm awesome so you're gonna stay an asshole staying an asshole didn't learn anything in that on that regard yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wonder how permanent any changes or realizations will be, or if this will be like a vacation where you come back and you think you've changed, but then you just revert to your old self once things normalize. Yeah. But I think this is slightly different for how protracted it is and how it may change the culture in terms of how we interact with each other. Yeah. I think it will. I think it will for sure. Well, the biggest thing for me was similar to the examples that you were giving is like, And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's like, you realize you are in control of nothing. Yeah. And that is a very depressing feeling at one stage, but then it can also be very empowering to go get it in terms of whatever you want to do or what your goals are Yeah, and Mm -hmm. not sweating the the little stuff. So that was kind of the big lesson for me. The, The other one and a more societal one, maybe similar to yours is like, I just realized that we rely on each other so much more than we give ourselves credit for. And there are like these large swads of the population that are extremely undervalued and underappreciated. Yeah, no kidding. And it used to annoy me before, but now I think it might be a top three pet peeve. If I ever hear someone complain about teachers wanting more money or nurses wanting more money or the people working at fast food restaurants wanting more money. I don't like that argument. I don't like to hear people nickel and diming other people who are not rich yeah, <laughs> while yeah. we give away tons of money to rich corporations. Like that, yeah. for whatever reason, that's really 
struck home for me in terms of like, we live in the society where we get into these dumb conversations about like, what should the minimum wage be? Like, oh, $11, that's too high. Oh, this is too low. And whereas when it comes to the big stuff, we don't even think about it. Yeah, I think uh, two points on what you said. I, I think the first point you made as well is well made. I think you realize that when you don't have control of your health or when you have to do things to protect your health, it's amazing how little anything matters. Like I had um, about 10 years ago, I had um, the doctors still don't really know what it is, but I, I basically had a kind of invisible, one of those like invisible illnesses. The doctors mm. have diagnosed it as like post viral syndrome. I got the Norwalk virus. And then Whoa. sometimes like it's part of the virus stays in your body. And it just like, it didn't really, I just like presented like vertigo, like really bad vertigo symptoms. Hmm. And I would have like fatigue and stuff. And it, it, it affects, it still affects me to this day, but it really was hard on me for like a year to a year and a half where it was like, you know, I really had to plan social outings and I had to hmm. leave work. And, and again, people have way tougher course, and yeah. larger health challenges than that. But I think it, that really put things into focus for me that like when your health isn't there, uh, you know, then not, nothing else matters. And so I think that is like, cause that's what we're talking about, right? It's like people are trying to avoid getting COVID or if they do get it, they want to be able to recover and, mm -hmm. and be, and stay healthy. So I think that that it, it helps people, you know, there's probably a lot of people, especially around our age uh, and, and younger that have probably never had any type of health challenge in their mm -hmm. life. And, and so I think that, that it puts it in perspective where you go like, okay, well, if you don't have your health, then you have nothing yeah. and, and literally nothing else matters. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was interesting. And then I think, yeah, like, I mean, I'm a teacher and I, I actually have a joke about this on the, you know, you mentioned I have an album coming up and, um, about like teachers going on strike because I've, I've been teaching, I just finished my 11th year. I've been a part of three strikes. We were almost about to go on one and then we, right. Pardon me. We pulled it from the ashes and we, you know, we're quietly we, settled. It was a quietly big issue. settled, quietly settled for another three years or whatever. But yeah, it's like, it's very funny. Like when you're a teacher and you go on strike, the first week that you go on strike, you're a hero. You know, everyone loves you. They're like, oh my Stick God. It yeah. It's, it's like, it's that. And it's also the like, you know, oh, what a noble profession. And you guys are in there every day and it's beautiful. And you're out on the picket lines and parents are dropping off coffee and donuts and pizza and everyone loves you. And then the second week you're on strike, they're just like, get back in there, get in there. Like they spend like set seven days with their kid and they're like, yeah. this is, sucks ass. And they, and they just can't. And so it's like this interesting thing where now that, that it, that happened, but on like a much larger scale where like by the time September rolls around, parents are going to have had their kids at home for six months. Yeah. Parents have had to try to homeschool their kids. It's going to be really interesting to see if that shifts the perception at all. Cause I think, and this is obviously not all parents, but I think, yeah, a lot of parents have the perception of like, well, school is just where I send my kid every day. I don't particularly care what happens there. So long as my child is not at home, yeah, then that's great. They're at, they're at school and good. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see like if the, the, you know, there's a little bit more respect for, for my profession coming out of this. So you think that some parents are going to realize how shitty their kids are? That's definitely, yes. That's mostly what I'm getting at. Some parents, it's really going to hit home. Yeah. I mean, I think the parents know, like, they, I think if you're a parent and your kid sucks, you know. you know, you know, but like, maybe they like, now they really know. Yeah. You know. Or they've been forced to confront it. Yeah. Or they just like, I think too, like parents, 
maybe realize that like they have a difficult kid or or and maybe it's just the kid has their own challenges or whatever but they if they actually tried to like homeschool the kid and then they get to see like how the kid maybe like pushes back against right. learning yeah. or like the idea of learning where they go oh my god I didn't know it was like this. Yeah. Like I knew that they probably talked out in class and I knew that they were probably not the best student, but like, I didn't, I didn't know it was like this. And the fact that your options were extremely limited. Like if you were homeschooling a child in normal circumstances, you can take them to the museum or you can, you know, go on these trips For sure. or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, now it's like, no, you're basically stuck at home. You're just at home. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, if that changes at all. Yeah. It might, and again, it might just be like the first couple of years out of COVID mm-hmm. parents will be like, wow, I got a lot of respect for what you do. And then, you know, by the time we get to like 2025, they'll completely forget. And they'll be like, nah, <laughs> teachers, let's keep paying them. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> All this time that you spent inside, I feel like you must have been trolling the hell out of social media, right? <laughs> yeah, I do that anyway. But yeah, were you getting blocked over the pandemic? I did. Uh, did I get blocked? Yes, I did. Actually, um, yeah. Stefan and I got a Stefan and I got a double block. Actually, we got blocked by the same person. So we were Someone famous, notable. Her name's Clara Jeffrey. She's the editor of Mother Jones, which oh, is okay, kind of yeah. like a centrist slash leftist kind of publication. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like one of those weird publications where it's like they don't like Trump, but like they also are not like the type of person who doesn't like Trump. You know what I mean? If that makes mm. sense. Um, but yeah, she had this very weird uh, tweet about how. Um, the Joker was like a, a problematic movie or something. Right. It was very weird. Like, I, I can't remember the exact language of the tweet, but it was just like, yeah, it was something about how like, you know, people got there. She specifically mentioned like the Aurora theater shooting hmm. and essentially said that like the Joker was like a dangerous movie because it was going to like create more Aurora situations. essentially. Right. And that was a concern for a lot of people prior to the yeah but i mean like who cares and so like (laughs) like obviously if it happened we would care but like she that's just bullshit it's just like dog whistling it doesn't mean anything well it could be anything right yeah it could could inspire literally anything so yeah so i i just so i replied to her being and i think i just said you know like oh you know oh i i replied to her i did the classic like uh like i pretended i was on her i was like wow like i was like thank god Mm. someone said it like we were all thinking it. Thank God you said it. Um, and then she was like, her reply was very weird. She's like, this is a good day to make your point, which is what? And then I just wrote, oh, I was being sarcastic. I think this is the stupidest tweet I've ever seen. And then she blocked me immediately. So why the double block then? Uh, Stefan got blocked for just like, I think he just replied to it. Like, oh, he jumped in. He just, not even me. I think it was before that. He just wrote like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then she was like, just Insta block. Boom. Yeah. It's like, cause Stefan, Stefan is way more of an online troll than me. Like I mm. kind of stay out of that stuff. So, but like, it's obviously very funny if we can both get blocked. Yeah. So if he gets blocked by someone, then I will usually try to also get blocked by them. But I'm like not as good at it as him. So like hmm. I just yeah, like um like he got blocked by Megan McCain, John McCain's oh, yeah. daughter who yeah. uh sucks a lot. And um yeah, like I tried to explain to her that she that she like ruined I was like she she again, she had some very dumb tweet. This and, is all over Twitter, right? Yeah, like, yeah, this, this is, is all over Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, she had this very dumb tweet. Uh, I, I don't remember what it was about. And I was like, I was like, wow, Megan, like with, with every tweet you make, you're getting me further and further from enjoying deep and delicious cakes. <laughs> And so, like, she probably doesn't even know what that means. I don't That's think they Canadian have. Thing. Yeah, it's a yeah. Canadian reference. It got a lot of likes. So I was like, I felt like just by the number of likes it got, she would see that and be like, oh, like this guy must be making fun of me or something. Right. But didn't I couldn't catch the block. I tried. So I guess when you're trolling these famous people, yeah, because they get tweets thrown at them all the time. All the time. So how do you make yours stand out? Not just in terms of content. Is it? you need people to RT and like yeah, it. Yeah, that helps. Uh, I'm verified. So that helps when you get oh. the blue check. Cause like one, cause when you have the blue, they shut that shit down now. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, we had a rough day there where we all couldn't post. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so, but I mean like, Oh yeah, people. you can't just yeah. apply for it anymore. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so how it works is like when you have it, you, you, when you go to your mentions, you have like, normally you would have like, you can see all your mentions. You can just see mentions from people you follow. Mm. And then, and those are usually your two options. But when you're verified, you also get a verified tab where you can see just only verified accounts who have interacted with you. Mm. Um, so that's a good way to like, cause a lot of, uh, cause a lot of famous people, they want to see like, Ooh, our other like, Cause a lot of like, when we say famous, like someone like Megan McCain, who's just like famous cause she's a clout chaser. It's like when you're famous for just being like incendiary and you're just like chasing clout, you want to see what other verified accounts are saying about you. That's like right. important to you. So you have a, I have a better chance of getting blocked than someone who's maybe not verified. Cause I'll show up in that verified tab right. being like, Hey, you know, you, that's whatever. a big responsibility for your trolling. I know. I don't, I mean, I don't do it that much. Honestly, I just, I don't, care uh, who's the most famous person that's blocked you or like that's the blocked best blocking story that's I blocked me i don't really have any like great block stories honestly this is um, your whole podcast i know but we bring people on to talk about it i don't <laughs> have like a good uh that's why we bring people on mo um i've been blocked so the, the clara jeffrey one's pretty good um i've also i was blocked by um former blue jays pitcher marcus stroman uh, sure. he got really mad cause I, I called him out for like a sponsored tweet. Like, cause he, cause McDonald's did like the all day breakfast thing. They launched it like a couple years ago. Okay. So he was talking about, he, he had done some tweet, but he didn't like hashtag it like ad or sponsored mm. or whatever. He's just like, Oh, like I, this is so sick that I can get like a sausage McMuffin <laughs> at like 9 PM. And I just, Maybe I think he was really stoked on that. Yeah. Sausage. I think I just like wrote something and I was just like, dude, like you haven't had a sausage McMuffin in like 10 years. Like, let's be honest. Like you have an eight pack, like you haven't had a, you know, and he blocked me immediately. He was yeah. not happy about it, but we've okay. The, the funniest. So, we talk about this on our podcast um, and you and I were talking about it before the show. Uh, there's a website called cameo.com. Right. Stefan and I, that to people yeah. So Stefan and I are kind of famous for this. We, we wrote an article for the Atlantic about it and uh, we, <clears throat> pardon me. So what, we have a, a Patreon. So for those of you who are listening, who are maybe not familiar, Patreon is like a website that a lot of podcasters and creative people use where people can donate to you if they like your work. And usually you give them something in exchange for that donation. So what we do at block Party is we do bonus episodes. So for $5 a month, you get access to three bonus episodes a month. One of the bonus episode types that we do is we review very bad celebrity cameos. So cameo.com is a website where you can pay a celebrity a token amount of money for them to record a shout out for you. So most of them are like between 30 seconds 
seconds in a minute and it'd just be like, you know, I would send, uh, you know, for Mo, maybe I'd hit up, uh, you know, I don't know. Who do you like? Jagmeet Singh. I'll just hit, hit him up. I'll be like, you know, uh, I just, I know you had him on your show. That would be a waste of a cameo yeah, if yeah. you did that. Because you know him. You don't, you don't need it. And he would never be on cameo. But anyway, so he. Or like birthday wishes. Yeah, that's a big one. That's right? a, Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. So I would send a message to, to Jagmeet just being like, hey, my buddy Mo's uh, turning whatever age. Like if you just want to give him a shout out, that'd be sick. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And then they have to respond within four days or you get your money back. And then, yeah, they'll just send them, hey, Mo, like uh, John bought this cameo for you. I heard it's your birthday. Hope you have an awesome birthday. I'm just out here on the campaign trail. I'm here in Yellowknife talking to some people, like whatever, you yeah. know, and then that that's it. So it's this It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool, but it's also just like it's sad in a lot of ways. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's cool, but it's very sad. And when so you see the roster of celebrities oh, on boy. it, it's pretty sad. I mean, it's getting better. It's really? getting better and better. Like there, there are some legit like big people on it now. But yes, like when we started doing the cameo bonus episodes, it was like exclusively like D list. Yeah. Like people who you're Carol Baskin's on it. She is, yeah, exactly. She, well, did you see the one she did with her yeah. the birthday one? Oh my the 50 god, fifty cents song. Oh, yeah. For God's sake. Anyway, so yeah, it's just it's very sad because it's like there's a lot. It, it's just it's sad because I think that like unfortunately, like our society is so obsessed with celebrity. Mm. That like this just shouldn't be a thing that people want, in my opinion. Right. Like it just like I I sort of get that it's cool, but like it's not like but what like what is it for like you pay so you pay a celeb like 250 bucks to watch something like one or two times like so it's sad for that and it's also sad because like i do think that people feel like they have a relationship with these celebrities Mm. it's like we see it all the time like we'll because the the it used to be that any cameo that was public you could just see on their website so like if you if if uh whoever bam margera he's like one of the most he's done one of the he's near the top of most completed cameos. He's done like 7,000 or something. It used to be that like all of the ones that were listed public, you could just see them all. You could just scroll through Bam Margera's page. You could see a cameo he did like a year ago. doesn't matter. Hmm. But now of his quality. Exactly. Exactly. Then they limited it to just their most recent six. And then they limited it to just their most recent three. So they're really trying to like dial that part of it back. But in the beginning, yeah, you could see all the cameos. So you could see people that they would like order a cameo from someone and then the the celebrity would respond. And then like a day later, they'd get another one and then the celebrity would respond. And then the day later they'd get it. So it was like, they, I think they felt like, Oh, I'm paying a hundred dollars every time. But like this celebrity cares about me and they're like my friend. And, right. And it's just, That's that weird. part of it is very strange, but we learned. So one of the things we talk about this in the Atlantic article too is like it used to be on Twitter that you could just kind of like yell at a celebrity and be like pretty sure that they would see it because mm-hmm. it just used to be your mentions tab was just all one mentions tab and and Twitter at that time was novel for celebrities too so they were right. like checking their mentions all the time so like if you tweeted at Ashton Kutcher you could be like relatively sure that maybe he didn't respond to it but mm-hmm. like he probably saw your tweet whereas now so many celebrities like don't run their own Twitter they yeah. never look at their mentions whatever we figured Stefan and I figured out that like cameo is a perfect way. Like if you want to be sure that a celebrity saw what you said, use cameo. Like as long as you're okay with them potentially like blowing through 
whatever you wrote and just recording whatever they want. So give me an example of what you mean. Like, what would you want a celebrity so, to see? Well, so this is like Cause a- Because Cameo is for you to use them as a puppet to wish someone- Happy birthday Correct. or something, right? But so so Cameo gives you 250 characters to fill out your wish or okay. like what you want them to say. Yeah. But like, say you hated Polly Shore, uh, you could just go on Cameo and just use that 250 characters to be like, you know, fuck you. I fucking hate you, Polly Shore, you piece of shit. I hope you die, like whatever. Yikes. And that goes to his inbox. You went real dark there. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't, w- w- I don't think any of that stuff, but I'm just saying, like, you could do that. But he will see that offer He'll to see, make that cameo. To make that cameo. And and don't get me wrong, right. he could just blow by, like, you could write all that stuff. He could just say, well, I'm going to take 200 bucks from this guy and just record a cameo completely ignore everything you've said mm. and just be like oh you know haha whatever thanks for the money like nice to see you or whatever because your credit card gets charged as soon as they finish the video are there refunds on cameo if they're really bad yeah but they'll usually just give you money to like get another cameo right. they won't give you your money back yeah, yeah. but uh but yeah so we did so we had one this is probably our funniest block uh, in a way block um we we i mean we have this long like mo we have this long running thing i couldn't possibly explain it people are already bored i've been talking about this for like seven minutes but uh but yeah so we we were getting justin guarini the runner-up on the first season of american idol oh yeah 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 to apologize to mark mcgrath of sugar ray for something that we had asked mark mcgrath to do on cameo and <laughs> you, you can get cameo celebrities to talk to each other. That's what we, that's what we do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we were getting, so we were getting Justin Guarini to apologize to Mark McGrath for something we had said. And it was on American Thanksgiving that we sent this request in. He responded in less than one minute, Whoa. less than one minute. He's on it. And he just wrote, no, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, so that was like the best to me. That was like the best celebrity interaction I've ever had. Wow. Ever. So yeah. that, that was when it clicked into us. Like, Oh yeah, of course. Like, of course it goes right to their email inbox. They're going to read every cameo request they get. Cause it's potentially money for them. Yeah. So that's the new way. If you're listening to this, that was a long explanation, but as long as you're okay with maybe Justin Guarini saying, well, these guys are dicks, but I'm going to still just record a but video he message. he saw your message. He saw it and he turned it down. So it was free for us to like huh. piss him off. Huh. So yeah, if you want to piss off a celebrity on Cameo, <laughs> that's the way to do it. John Cullen sent you. I heard you pissed off a previous guest of this podcast. One of my favorite guests, actually, of oh, this podcast. Oh, jeez. Not uh, a comedian. No. <laughs> She's funny, though. Uh, is she? She's one of my faves. Okay. Well, what happened? I, oh man, we okay. So we were talking before the show. I've done. And she a, isn't on cameo. I want to be very clear. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, so she. Uh, yeah, I did a radio hit for CBC's The Current. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at Christmas time, where I did. Um, so CBC has been very nice to me. One of the producers at The Current saw me do stand up. She was like, I loved your stand up. Anytime you want to do like a short bit on the show, like if you have an idea, pitch it to me and we'll put you on the air just as like a fun. She's like, we're trying to have some more kind of comedy and laughs. Mm -hmm. So I pitched her on this idea of it was a bit about Christmas, uh, Christmas songs and Christmas playlists specifically and how like you don't want to you don't want to have like a Spotify or iTunes Christmas Carol playlist because what you don't realize is like 
nine out of every 10 Christmas carols is like super happy and nice and like fun to listen to. And it's just like got sleigh bells and nice guitars and everyone's happy. But like one out of 10 Christmas carols is like the saddest song you've ever heard sung by like a boys choir in Vienna. Just like you might die this Christmas. (laughs) And so like, I literally like, so I, that was like basically the bit. It was like two minutes of that. But yeah. I, so I did that and she didn't know me, but, um, she replied to the current on the day that that this was recorded. Is the, this is Van Culler alumnus that were. Yes, exactly. She replied to, she this, replied to, current. yes, she replied to the current. Um, yep. Yeah, and an alumna of this show. And do we do gendered terms for alumni anymore? I feel like it's probably I've over. already exposed this person as a she. Yeah, I know. I know. But like alumna is like when it's a woman and alumnus is when it's a man. Oh, is that right? Isn't it? I don't know. I Pretty thought it was sure. all alumnus, singular and then plural, but I could be wrong. Who cares? Yeah. Anyway. Whatever. So she replied to CBC's The Current on Twitter and said the, I think it was like the quote comedy bit I heard on The Current this morning was so embarrassing that I can't even imagine like being in the room or like, I can't, it was like, I can't imagine, I feel bad for the studio tech who like had to (laughs) sit there while this person recorded this bit because it was like so unfunny. And so the funny part is, is like, and, and obviously like Spencer's just sitting here right now, like listening to us talk and he's, and I'm doing the story again, but like, but yeah, so the funny part is, is I recorded it in my house. So yeah. there was no, I just did it myself. I have a podcast. I have a studio in my house. It, I did just did it myself. There was no, so I, I mean, I was so, I really, really wanted to reply. Like, don't worry. Like no audio tech had to sit through it. Like I just did it myself <laughs> and I sent it to CBC from my room, you know, but I was just oh. like, you know what? I didn't want to get in a, in a Twitter feud. She seems like the type of person who would welcome that. And sometimes I just don't want drama in my life, Mo, mm. even though we've just spent like 10 minutes talking about online drama. That's what drama. the show is all about. Yeah. Well, you you said, you're like, we got to create drama. But anyway, I hope she listens to this. She knows who she is. And so just know, guest of this show, uh, I saw your tweet um, and uh, you paid for it. So... <laughs> You're a taxpayer and it aired on our national broadcasting system. So I like to believe that all of the taxes you paid last year were exclusively used for my check for doing that show. And no audio techs were harmed during the making of that. So what's really funny to me, I don't know if the listeners are going to find this funny, but <laughs> that's always a great way to start. But no one's going to like this, but let's just go ahead. What's no, funny just... to me though, is that this podcast itself has been the arena for a lot of crossfire between politicians. Okay, yeah. So someone will come on and they'll talk shit. Then the other politician will come on and they'll talk shit back. And I kind of enjoy that. This particular beef, if we could call it that. It's not a beef. Between you and this other guest. Yeah. I would have never guessed that this would be. Yeah. It was just like. I'm going to get her back on. She's been on. Uh, don't don't say it don't say it because then people are going to be looking it up they're going to be like who is it yeah um it's fine i'm not i'm not angry at her it doesn't matter it was just like a very funny because i didn't know it's funny to me because i didn't know two people that i know sure that don't know each other are talking shit she's i'm sure she's i'm sure she's fine it was just like um yeah it was just funny to me because i i 
her name like i didn't know who she was <clears throat> before i saw the tweet and then and now like sometimes she'll show up in my feed because she is like a pretty active person online and she's done you know she's done some stuff i'm fawning over her tweets oh my yeah, god yeah, you're yeah. So, right. so then like i see because i follow you obviously and then yeah i saw like she was on your show and i was like this is like triggering to me like i've tried to forget about this but no it's I'm all sorry good. You're, you're it's okay. all good it's all good her, her and i can come on the show at the same time next oh. time we'll bury the hatchet that's a dream show for me. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure do it. it out. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I'm free anytime. So I got a lot of spare time on my hands. You recorded your second comedy album yeah. right before the lockdown. The week before. Was it only on the Friday that you were having a taping? Friday and Saturday. Oh. Four shows. I'm sad I missed it. Me too. Should have been there. It was fun. Yeah. But that's okay. How did it go? Great. Yeah, it went awesome. Um, did you have any idea that things were going to be shut down? Yes. Oh, you did? Yes. Yeah. Well, not shut down necessarily, but it was so Mo, I'm going to tell you a story, please. I had, I, I had the most serendipitous two weeks that you could imagine before the COVID shutdown. Yeah. Okay. Me. So my friend whose wedding I talked about earlier that had to get canceled, he lives in Ontario. He had a bachelor party in Arizona the last weekend of February bunch of dudes from all across Canada head down to Phoenix. As you can imagine, very sports filled. Went to an NBA game, mm. went to an NHL game, went to an MLB spring training game in Arizona, which ended up being one of like the COVID hotspots. So we that's last weekend of February. I see three of the four major sports live. Yeah. Then the weekend after that, the first weekend of March, I record my comedy album. The Tuesday... After that, March 10th, I go see the Canucks play the Islanders in what was ended up being the third last NHL game before the shutdown. The NBA the next day was when Rudy Gobert tested positive. Right. Then all the leagues shut down on the Thursday. So we went on the Tuesday. Rudy Gobert's on Wednesday. Leagues are all shut down on Thursday. So like the two weeks before this happens, I got to see, and I'm a huge sports guy. Yeah. So I got to see all these live sports and <laughs> got my album done. Yeah. Like we we are literally talking about if my album release was scheduled like two weeks later, I wouldn't have done it for like a year at minimum, Mo maybe oh, yeah. more. Yeah. Like it's insane. I got really lucky, but yes, it wasn't that we knew everything was going to shut down, but it definitely was a sense of like, should I be shaking people's hands? Should mm. I be like, cause it was already, there was some kind of talk of, Ooh, you know, this could be a problem. If an athlete gets it, this could be, we're starting to shut some things down, you know? So it was like, yeah. Cause normally you do a comedy show. I was selling some merch. People come up, say great show, shake your hand, whatever. And then, yeah, it was definitely like a bit of a like, whoosh, is this, should we really be doing this? And then I believe I recorded it at Yuck Yucks here in Vancouver the next weekend after they still had their shows yeah. as planned. That was the last weekend. Yeah. And then the weekend after that, it was all done. Yeah. I remember there was informally people being like, we're not going to restaurants. Like we're not going to bars, we're not going to restaurants. Yeah. And then there was other people who were like, no, we still got to support local business. Like there's everyone's struggling. But I remember for me, it felt like things just shut down right away. I mean, literally that last weekend, which would have been the, I think it was the 13th, because yeah. it was a friend's birthday. 13th, 14th, we went out for 15th. Yeah. yeah. 
And that last weekend, we we went to go see a movie, and the theater was empty. Yeah, like I and know we were that. Like, oh, maybe things are going to shut down, and then literally yeah. within a couple of days, they're like, okay, "Well, I know that down. weekend at Yuck Yucks, like they kept it open, but I know, like, because obviously, like, I know a lot of comedians and people at the club. I know, like, a ton of people canceled their reservations for that. Like, it ended yeah. up being like half full that weekend that they were open, and then it like shut down the weekend. How about your that. recording? Full. Nice. It was awesome. I got, I, yeah, I weird. It was like, it was literally the last week that like the earth felt normal and I record. And it is, so it's funny because like I'm putting the album out this fall and it's going to be like interesting because it's just like most of my jokes are just like stupid and observational. They're not, I, I don't make any profound statements, Mo. I mean, you may, people are listening to this are like, yeah, we know. Um, but like, <laughs> I don't, like all of my jokes are just like stupid observations about life. So it might be this like weird thing where I think people will, or I hope people will enjoy it because it's a comedy album that's coming out in like a time where not many comedy albums are coming out or happening. So I think that'll mm-hmm. be interesting to people. But it's also interesting because it's just like, all of this shit will feel probably very trivial in some ways. Like people will be like, Oh, he's kind of, you know, like I tell, like I tell a joke about like going to an ATM, you know, and stuff like that. Like, like who cares, you know, like who gives a shit? (laughs) Well, I wanted to ask you about that because we're starting to see in the culture already, you know, certain album releases that I've seen labeled as like the perfect COVID album. Right. Fiona Apple's new album. I I heard even Taylor Swift's new album is like the perfect COVID album. It's so good. I've I seen Run the Jewels 4 being sure. described as like the perfect Black Lives Protest Matter. album. Yeah. 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 And so mine's I wonder- all of those. Mine's all of those. <laughs> mine's perfect COVID, Black Lives Matter, um, everything. It's per- per- overthrow Trump. Yeah. Uh, indigenous Lives Matter, every- everything. It's all in there. When I'm talking about. Is uh, it in the subtext or is yeah, it like in No, your face? it's big time subtext. When I'm talking about going to my first ever spin class, people are going to be like, "What? you know what? This is actually quite political. So. Yeah, it no, but you're right. Like I I think I think for comedians it's going to be weird because whenever this ends, if it ends and comedy clubs come back, like everyone's going to have material about it. Like you almost kind of have to. It's like this weird thing where it's like you can you really get away from like just not doing stand up for a year and then coming back and just That's per- my question. Like yeah. in one way I'm like super excited because I feel Hopefully, there are a lot of comedians that I like that are writing and just workshopping stuff on their own right now. Yeah. And hopefully, we'll have this supernova of talent come together in Vancouver once you can go back to the comedy club. But then also, am I going to have to sit through fucking COVID jokes yeah, yeah. for hours on end? Which might be entertaining at the start. Then It'll, do I want to keep hearing COVID jokes? No. No, you don't. So that's why I'm worried. It'll be. Are you working on COVID jokes right no, now? No, no, I'm not no? working on any jokes. It's all over. <laughs> so I'm retiring. This is it. I'm is releasing. This official? I'm releasing this out. This is my. Uh, this is my the Black album. This is my Jay Z. Oh, he came uh, back a year. That's afterwards. what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm retiring. I'm officially retired, and then I will unretire. No, uh, I'm. I haven't written anything in in quarantine because I've got the podcast. So like you yeah. know, we we do seven episodes a month with Block Party. I do two episodes a month with the POD cast. I guest on a lot of like I guess on a lot of podcasts I mean obviously like yeah. I'm here like I probably average like one guest appearance a month like I would say I've been doing between 10 and 12 podcasts a month in mm. quarantine so 
I still feel like I'm scratching the comedy itch, you know, I don't, yeah. even, even before COVID I, I, for a professional stand-up comedian, I get on stage a lot less than other comedians just because I have the podcast. I feel satiated. I don't need to be on stage every night. I, I think the COVID humor thing won't matter so much if you're going to like a pro show, mm. you know, like if you're going to yuck yucks on a weekend or you're going to house of comedy on a weekend, whatever hecklers, if you're in Victoria, like, I think because first of all, it'll be pros. So you can assume that like the material will be decent. Mm -hmm. And also there'll only be like three people on the show. Right. So it's like, if everybody kind of has like a little bit of COVID material, you probably won't, you know, it won't feel that bad. It'll be when you're going to like amateur night. Yeah. You know, where it's like, you, you know, yuck yucks, uh, pro-am on Wednesdays is like 15 spots. So is it going to be like 15 people in a row that all have jokes about COVID and seven of those 15 <laughs> people aren't very good at comedy Yeah, where it's going to feel like, Oh my, okay, we get it. Yeah. Yeah. We are all in quarantine. Like, cause I think that, I think that's the interesting thing is like, that will be more, people will be trying to like come up with like a profound statement about being in quarantine. Yeah. And to me, that will be a more annoying joke. I'd rather people like attack the virus than, than talk about, you know, like it's kind of the same thing with like George Bush, you know, like I ask like comedians that I love in Vancouver who were around for like nine 11 mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's like, you know, w was it just ridiculous? Like were there tons of George W Bush jokes? And it was like, not really but the ones who did kind of gave up on it pretty early but the people who could talk about just politics in general like that's the stuff that like lasts forever you know yeah. so i think that'll be the kind of thing where it's like if you can come up with a way of of like telling a joke about sort of this capturing the moment that we all went through i think that will have an effect but if it's just people getting up and being like yeah I jacked off a lot uh, for three months or whatever it's like okay you know good for you we all did yeah oh you couldn't go on a date for six months so you hurt your hand or whatever good for you you know who cares <laughs> are comedy clubs open like i've heard that in the the U.S. they've opened some. They're probably yeah. going to close down. But anything in Canada that's House open? of Comedy's open right now in New West. Really? Yeah, they're uh, they're an American comedy chain. Huh. And they're like, Is, have you been there? No, I I don't. At the at the risk of like making some people upset, I don't believe in comedy right now. I don't think it, no one should be doing it. I'm serious. Like I they're, like for the public health reason. Correct. Okay. Like you don't. You I know, thought maybe you philosophically took a no, turn no, no. since you're retiring. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm retiring. <laughs> and this is, and yeah, this is my. Burning your body of work. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Um, no, just public health wise. It just yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. I just, it's, I mean, it just, I just don't get it. I, I just, I don't think it's necessary. I don't yeah. think it's needed, you know? And, and I think people will say, like, I think audience members would say like, oh, I just really needed a laugh. But like, I don't think you do. Or like, if you do like watch something at home, like yeah. I just, and, and, and what gets me Mo, And again, this is like, people are going to listen to this and think I'm an asshole, but there are comedy shows happening right now where again, it's just like, it's like a strict, like amateur night where it's like 10 comedians getting up and doing five minutes. Who is that for? Like, that's not for anybody. Like, yeah. like who, like, why would you go watch that? Like, there's obviously a place for those shows that I grew up on those shows. I still perform on those shows, but like, 
if you're an amateur comedian right now, like comedy's still going to be there in six months. Like you, as an amateur comedian, you don't need this right now because like the clubs aren't open really. Nothing's mm-hmm. really happening. You have to be on pause. Yeah, you you don't need this, and the audience doesn't need it. You like yeah. you're you're gonna risk getting COVID to watch uh, a bunch of people who've been doing comedy for three to twelve months. Like it just doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. And, and that's yeah. not taking away. Like there are people who have been doing comedy for three to 12 months that are really good at sure, it. And like, yeah, you know, yeah. but there's a lot who aren't, who are still figuring it out. And it's like, who, this isn't for anybody. These shows shouldn't be happening. Like what it just, you Do know, you worry I, though that with COVID and I'm not defending the club that's putting on these shows, sure, yeah. but just in general, do you worry that with COVID there's going to be, there was already so much pressure on these venues, right? Especially the smaller venues. Do you worry that we're going to come out of this and we're going to lose a lot of these smaller yeah, venues? Definitely. Definitely. Jacob Samuel, he sort of explained to me this ecosystem of the comedy scene and how yeah. these smaller venues feed into the comedy clubs. Definitely. Which then feed into, you know, more success from there. And the importance of those small venues. Are you hearing or seeing Things that maybe worry you in terms of these small clubs? Has, any, has anyone closed down yet? No one's closed down. I mean, I think so. When I'm saying these things, like I'm not talking about House of Comedy. Like to me, like House of Comedy, or even if staking a beef with House no, of Comedy, no, 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 or even if like Yuck Yucks decided to reopen. Like to me, that's different because it's like it's a professional comedy club that's going to be following covid measures. Like mm. I still don't think the shows should be happening. I personally won't be performing on shows until this is sorted out. Like until I can be reasonably sure that the audience is safe, I will not be performing on any of those shows. Yeah. Or whatever. Or maybe we get like a, a, an anti-pathogen or what, whatever the case, like when I can be reasonably sure that no one's going to get sick from a show that I did, um, then, uh, then I'll go back to performing. But like I, there again, I'm lucky. I, I have another job. Mm -hmm. I have a podcast. Like I, so I understand comedians who need to work right now. I just personally won't be, but like in clubs, it makes sense that, you know, it's again, it's professional comedians. It's run by professional people who Mm -hmm. have to follow these rules and regulations. Like you might still get sick, but like you can be, they're following as best as they can. And so it's kind of up to you, but like the smaller venues. Yeah. Like that's where, like Jacob made a great point on the show about the ecosystem. So like, I think that's what I was trying to get at is like, if you're an amateur comedian right now, you're not getting graduated anywhere. Like, like yuck yucks isn't open house of comedy, you know, for these clubs to be open right now, they want the shows to be good. They're not going to be taking chances on someone they've never heard of. Like the comedians who are working right now are long established professional comedians. House of comedy has brought in people already from Alberta uh, stuff like like that have driven here to do shows. And so like you can wait, like you can wait, right. like there's not, you know, there's not the, the ecosystem isn't there right now. There is no graduation. You're just doing a show for the sake of doing a show. You're not, you're not doing a show to say like, oh, well, I have to get better at comedy for what? Like nothing's happening. Just for laughs isn't happening. Winnipeg's not happening. Halifax isn't happening. The debaters is being recorded at home. Like tours aren't happening. Nothing's happening. So you can just wait. You can wait. But uh, to answer your question about smaller venues, certainly like Little Mountain Gallery, I'm, you know, Jacob brought it up. Yeah. That's like our comedy clubhouse in Vancouver. That's, Mm -hmm. that's our space that, um, which we're already supposed to lose anyway to development. But, um, that's the that's the type of venue that yes that's devastating if we would lose that because of 
uh, not being able to do shows there. Mm-hmm. But as far as like shows at bars and stuff like that, like those are always going to be there. Yeah. Like, like, yes, some of the bars we do shows at right now might shut down and we may not have those shows available when we come back, but there'll be other bars that want to do shows. People are always going to want live entertainment, of especially coming out of this when you've had to watch Netflix for a year and you're like, oh my God, I can go see a comedy show again. Like there's not, there, there's not going to be any shortage of that. Yeah. stuff I don't think but as far as like small comedy specific venues like comedy bar in Toronto like Little Mountain Gallery here even an established club like Rumors in Winnipeg those are the venues that for sure you you worry about no mm. question what's interesting to me is you're dropping this comedy album in the fall yeah no guarantees that clubs are going to reopen or that you will feel safe to perform at a club set out by your own criteria yeah is that weird though? Because I just imagine that when you drop a comedy album, you want to be performing. You might even want to go on tour to promote the album. Mm-hmm. So is that weird that it kind of dropped? I know Jacob just dropped his yeah record. Very funny. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. But is it weird to not tie it to performing live? Uh, yes, and and certainly that was the plan. Like we, you know, recorded this album in March. Um, it's going to be released on Comedy Records, which they released my first record as well. It's a label out of Toronto and New York, um, and they're awesome. And like we had a plan, like we had a whole press plan. I was mm. supposed to go to Toronto in September, October, do like a week of press, a week of shows. Um, so yes, all none of that will happen. Right, but I think. I think the reason I want to release it is is twofold. Um, I want to win a Juno. Uh, no one else is going to release a comedy album this year, so my chances extremely well, extremely good. Katie yeah. Allen Humphreys has got one on the way. Exactly, he got some, he got it'll some be tough competition. It'll be us three, and that's just the West Coast. It'll be us three. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Nick Reynoldson out of Toronto released one. That's it. It's us four. Uh-huh. Um, no, I'm joking. I, I, I'm, I'm completely. That's not. I don't care about that. That was just a joke. Um, but no, I, I think. Part of it is like, it's hard to sit on a comedy album for too long, even though like most of the jokes on it, I would like to believe are kind of timeless. um, And I just tell stories and I screw around. Like there's just something about like, I don't want to release something that was recorded a year ago. Like that's not, or a year and a half ago or like, you know, like if I'm going to wait until I feel safe enough to tour and to really promote this thing, it's possible we're talking like another year from now. Mm -hmm. So like, am I just going to sit on this album for 18 months? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. And I think too, like we have the podcast audience. So, you know, I'm hoping that like a lot of, a lot of people that listen to the show and and stuff will want to listen to my album. And Mm -hmm. there are other ways you can promote it without doing the traditional, like pack up your bag, head across the country and try and promote it. Like I still would like to believe that, I'll be able to still do like a decent press run. Uh, and then, yeah, I, like you don't have to do shows to promote it. Like, I don't know. I just, yeah, it's sitting on it for much longer feels silly to me. It feels like it just should be out there. And yeah, people need a laugh right now. And so, but I don't want them to have a laugh in person. Yeah, so, ha- picky. so have a laugh on me, have a laugh on me. We'll put it out. And, and I think too, like, um, like Brandon Ash Muhammad from Toronto just released his first comedy record. Um, Capricornication, super funny. You should check it out. He's the first 
black queer Canadian to release a stand-up album. Uh, and he's wow. su- super funny, great guy. And he just decided when he put his record out to uh, put all of the first month profits towards Black Lives Matter. And he raised like $5,000. Oh, cool. And like, so maybe that's something that I would look at doing as well, where it's like, you know, I'm not putting it out for cynical reasons where I'm just like trying to make money off of it. Like maybe we put it out and we do some sort of charitable tie-in or whatever. Like it just, that's more important to me. It's just like, I just want it to be out there. You just take that on record now. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I don't, we, we've done a ton of stuff with block party this year. Yeah. Uh, as far as charity goes. Cool. So that, Yeah. I don't mind staking it. I don't mind stating it on your podcast. People can hold me to it. There will be some sort of charitable aspect to my album release. Perfect. Yeah. I want to go back to this idea of comedy post COVID. So you're promising me that we're not going to get an oversaturation of jokes about masks. I'm not promising you that. I never promised that. I said, you're definitely going to get that. It's going to be masks and glory. Yeah. Holes. Yeah. That's it. Masks and glory holes, baby. <laughs> Not at the same time though. That would be counterproductive if you know what I mean. No, you can wear a mask and glory holes. Oh, for the other person. Yeah. <laughs> One person can wear a mask. Thank you, Mo. Just trying to keep up. Uh, no, I do think you will get lots of jokes about it. I'm just saying if you go to like a booked show on a weekend where there's only three comedians, you'll be able to handle it. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. I I think it will be, at least for the first few months out of COVID, it would be really hard to not acknowledge it. It's the same as like, if a comedian has like a very obvious physical feature about themselves, Mm. you almost have to address it because the audience is thinking it, right? So like if you're, you know, like there are comedians that have disabilities that, Mm. you know, usually if you have a visible disability, you kind of have to acknowledge it because the whole crowd's thinking like, oh, are you going to talk about how you're in a wheelchair or whatever the case, right? Right. And I think it will be, I think it will be very similar with COVID. Like, I think it will be, at least for the first couple months, it would feel weird if you didn't talk about it at all and you just like right away, like as I say, if you're me, like right away, you're just like, hey, so like food network hey guys it's crazy you guys watching this thing you guys been watching this thing like even if you just add a line of like i watched a lot of food network in quarantine or something like i just think the audience is going to be thinking about it and it's going to be on their minds if you don't acknowledge it in some way Mm -hmm. you'll be doing yourself and the audience a disservice because they'll just be sitting there the whole time going like did this guy, was this, did this guy not go through COVID? Like, what are we talking about here? Like he's talking about going to the gym. I haven't gone to the gym in 18 months. What the hell? So yeah. So I think that, that, that will have to happen. So I can't make you any promises, Mo. Are a lot of comedians doing the online thing right now with either zoom shows? I've seen some improv people kind of do some stuff. Yeah. Uh, Some of it's pretty good, but I, yeah. Sunday service has been crushing it. It's uh, it's been really fun to watch them on zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the shows have been great. It's it's a tougher sell than going out and seeing a live show. Yes, certainly. I did two Canada Day shows, and I had to film it in my apartment to no one, and it was very weird. So you had no crowd feedback? Nothing. Yeah, I did. The, yeah. the, That'd be the weirdest part, right? Yeah, I, I'm from South Surrey, so I, I managed to- I you were from Toronto. Well, originally from Toronto, but I've been here for 21 years. Oh, okay. I, so I grew, I went to high school in South Surrey. Gotcha. So for some reason, both the city of White Rock and the city of Surrey both asked me to do their Canada Day virtual celebration. Wow. And so they just, uh, yeah, I just literally recorded it in an empty room in my apartment and no laughs, no nothing. Just here we go. Fire it up. 
And uh, it was it was fine. But yeah, there's just pardon me. I know there are comedians who have been doing a lot of Zoom shows. We did we did a couple with Blocked Party. I think the one thing that's cool with Zoom is that you can see everybody like people can mute their camera or whatever, obviously, but like you can see enough people where like, so with block party, we've done, I think four of them and we just, yeah, we just, we have a mailing list. We send out the link to the mailing list. The shows were free. We did them for charity. I was talking about that. So we had, um, one show we, I mean, it was awesome. Actually we did, um, there's a, there's a great, um, women's shelter in Vancouver called wave women against violence against women. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do amazing work in the community and they lost a ton of their fundraising because of COVID because yeah. one of their main fundraising channels is the Scotiabank marathon. Oh, okay. and huh. obviously that didn't happen. Yeah. So they had reached out to people just saying like, Hey, like whatever you can do, you know? So we kind of put together this block party raffle and we did like a live show connected with the raffle and cool. we raised like 7,000 bucks, um, which wow. is pretty awesome. And, yeah. and it was really cool to do. And, and I think that those are the types of things that people were looking for in quarantine. It was like a way yeah. of like being entertained, but also being able to help out other people who might really need it. Yeah. That's and cool. so, but the thing was, so n- none of that really matters, but like it matters, but I just mean like this, the part of this, what you're asking doing shows on zoom is cool because even though we had the audience muted, you could still see people's faces like reacting to jokes and laughing mm. and like, so it still makes you feel good and it would never obviously replicate or replace a fully live show. But I, I know comedians too, who were doing zoom shows where people were unmuted as well. So like you, I mean, you're really putting a lot of faith in your audience that they're not going to like yell shit out while you're performing, Yeah. but like where they could like hear the laughter and see people's faces. And I know some comedians who said it was like, you know, it just felt good to be able to mm. kind of do that. So I don't think every comedian was doing some online stuff. And like, I hung out with a buddy from Toronto this week, Adam Christie. Uh, and he was saying like, he's like, I did one and I hated it. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm not doing cause cause corporates, like there were a lot of zoom corporate shows too, where like businesses were just like, everybody's working from home and they're miserable. And it's like, can you just make us laugh for a little bit? You know? Yeah. And he was like, I did one and it was just too awkward for me and I just couldn't handle it. But I think it, it it's an okay alternative. Yeah. Never going to replace live shows, but it's okay. You're adapting for the time being. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it, the, the blocked party shows have been really fun. Um, you know, we, we've done, yeah, pretty much one a month and, uh, and they've been a blast. So oh. I, I think it's, yeah, like I say, it's an option. I was supposed to make my performative debut in late March. Oh, not stand up. Okay. But at Teen Angst Night, I was oh, going to read yes. some really shitty Sarah Bino. teenage oh, poetry. Yeah. Can and I-, I was so stoked for it. And I had like a crew coming and we we're going to get like a fucking table. And then, um, and then that's it. That's it. Couldn't do the it. The world was telling and you, so you Sarah- shouldn't perform. Well, <laughs> maybe it, it was telling me I need more practice, but you know, Sarah went on and she did, she did some really cool stuff. But I think just for me as like a first time, oh, yeah, I was like, don't... I wanted to be on the stage. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because I picked the shittiest. You want to feel poetry. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you about teen angst. Um, so I've done it once only. Oh, yeah. So I was, uh, I was a teenage poetry writer. Me too. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I think I thought it was going to like impress women, which is really. Me too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Like, God, we're so stupid. Uh, just, just stupid morons and i think too like the more 
as you get older and you gain an appreciation for um, how women are just like deluged all the time with like creepy advances. Like yeah. I just can't even imagine that like I handed women poetry, but I did. And it was pathetic. Anyway, um, I apologize. If you ever received a poem from me, please accept this, uh, as an apology. And if there are any reparations, I you don't, like I, to claim, I wrote in good faith. Fair enough. That's getting good for you. Um, but I they don't so, owe me anything. I just wrote it in good faith. <laughs> is what I'm saying. To be clear. Uh, but yeah, so my idea, I was like, okay, how would this be? I thought it would be really fun. I just had it in like a shoebox in my house. And I was like, I I won't look at it. So my idea was like, I won't even look at it again. Like I literally haven't seen it since I was like 20 Hmm. and I'll I'll bring it to the show and I will let my friends who I knew were coming to the show, choose the ones I read on stage. So like whichever ones they think are the worst. And I will be reading it for the first time in 10 years in front of an audience. Mm. Um, and that was a bad idea. Yeah. That was a bad, that, that went really poorly. Like it went well in the sense that like people laughed, but I, Sarah's asked me to do the show like five times since. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't do it. And I love Sarah and I love all the stuff she does for the community. Yeah. And I love doing say her like where you read a bad right. book. Like I, I would do that anytime she asks me, it's so fun. But the teen angst, like I don't get embarrassed about anything pretty much, especially on stage. I mean, I don't care. I'm a comedian. I talk about bad things that have happened to me, like whatever. I don't care. And I'm obviously like, I do a podcast every week. Mm-hmm. I've shared a ton of embarrassing stories about my life. That was just a singular feeling of shame I've never had before. Wow, interesting. It was just really, yeah, it was, I mean, it was probably good for my ego in general, but it was, whew, it was a tough one. Yeah. I found a lot of writing and I was going through it and I can genuinely say I picked what I thought would be the most embarrassing. And I was w- going back and forth of like, why would I do this to myself? I just want that experience. I want to feel that. Yeah, man. I want to feel it. So you, yeah, I picked I, the worst, most embarrassing piece. Cause there was a lot of bad writing in there, but it wasn't like cringe. Right. It was just bad. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> was Mine like was some cringe. Shitty story. And then I found this yeah. one piece and I was like, this is perfect. So, um, <laughs> so hopefully in the, ne- in the new year, next year, I think it's a good way too for you to, for you to get a sense of performing because you don't really have to write anything per se. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you'll probably get laughs from just the context of what you're doing. So I think that's a good way to like introduce yourself to the, because I'm guessing you did it because you've had like enough comedians on your podcast that you're like, okay, maybe I should like kind of try this. Oh no, I don't have any interest in stand up. Like, no, I no, I know that. But... but I mean like, I mean the, just the performative aspect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you know, you fucking plug the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a hyper local podcast. Yeah, it's a yeah, perfect yeah. venue. You're, you're like, oh, it's so crazy that I said the line, this is Van Culler in this poem I wrote when I was 19. <laughs> no, no, I plug it before and after. <laughs> For more, more of this, check out this is Van Culler. John, it was nice to see you, man. It was great to see you too. Where do people find you? Where do they listen to the first comedy album? Please promote all the things. Sure. Before I do that, I just want to say uh, I think I, I think your podcast is really good, man. Thank you. Yeah, you're doing a good. Like I, 
You're... I didn't even have to pay you a cameo to no, do that. No, so that's no, no, nice. no. Hon- honestly, <laughs> no. Truly, like I mean it. Like I did this show like 50 episodes ago or whatever it was. I think you had like a thousand followers on Twitter. You were just getting your feet wet. I remember we were talking about it out here, and you were just excited about the direction. And it's been like really fucking cool to see like all the people you're getting on the show, and and like you're becoming a source. And I think a lot of people start podcasts. And, um, they, I think they just think like, all I got to do is just start it and people will come and they don't realize that like, there's a hustle to it. Mm -hmm. And like you hustle in a way that like makes me want to work harder. And I think, uh, yeah, I think your pod is, is awesome. And I think it's a really cool, unique piece of this city. And you're like forcing your way into the city's conversation, which I think is like really dope. Um, so congratulations. It's been a great year for you. And I've, I pay attention to all of it. I don't listen to all the episodes specifically like ones where you have people on that I hate and that's not (laughs) your beef. That is not my beef. I do not hate her, but you have definitely had people on the show who's who politically I do not care for, but but yeah, I think you're doing a great job and I think that other people should be paying attention to how hard you hustle and how much you're how like this world you've created. It's it's impressive. I'm really uh, touched by that. Thank you so much. You're man. welcome. You're welcome. Uh and as for me, yeah, you can listen to Block Party. Uh like Mo said, it's a podcast. Every week we have a guest on to talk about a time they got blocked on social media. Uh that's with the inimitable Stefan Heck uh and myself. You can follow us on Twitter at Block Party Pod. If you're a new metal fan, uh, you know, if you listen to Corn and Limp Biscuit and all those <laughs> bands back in the day, I have a new metal review podcast called the POD cast, uh with a man named Brian Quinby, who's on a podcast called Street Fight Radio. He's out of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast, and we spell cast with a K like corn. Mm. Yeah, very cool stuff. Uh, but it's a fun, people really like it. I mean, I think if you liked that type of music, it's a, it's a pretty fun look back. Um, and then, yeah, you can just follow me uh, at Cullen the Comic. As Mo said, I don't know exactly when my album's coming out sometime this fall. It's going to be called Long Stories for No Reason, and it's going to be coming out on Comedy Records. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at Cullen the comic i'll keep you updated on all that stuff uh that's my instagram handle too and uh yeah thanks for having me back man it was, yeah, it was, it was a pleasure. my pleasure before i let you go i yeah. have to bring this one thing up yeah on the topic of new metal i yes. was selectively a fan of new metal perfect and i think it was this year maybe in quarantine <laughs> not in quarantine but you know self-isolating or whatever i listened to limp biscuits Chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. Yeah, classic. And as I was listening to it, I realized that I knew every single mm-hmm. word. Yeah. <laughs> Keep rolling, man. Keep rolling, baby. I I hadn't listened to it in like years, like so long. Yeah. Because it came out when I was in high school, but I still knew every single word. Yep. So uh, I'm actually a big fan of that. Like, there's some of the new new metal stuff that I t- wasn't into, but I definitely listened to the the Limp Bizkit Nice, episode, nice, so. thanks, man. Which was the first one, I think. Uh, yeah, Significant Other was the first yeah. one. Yeah, it's funny. Like, it it all kind of started because the the podcast I did before Blocked Party was called Real Good Show. Yeah, and I did this uh, segment on the show we called New Metal Nook, uh, which was like I literally would just like interrupt the podcast and play like new metal like through the microphone, and and it was the same kind of thing. It was like I would know all the words and yeah. Stefan and, and our other co-host Justin would be like what the hell like how do you know all this stuff and I'd just start playing like Linkin Park or Limp Biscuit and just sing along with it and then yeah and then when we had Brian on Blocked Party he was like a huge fan and so yeah so it was like we just we we ended up spending 20 minutes of the block party episode talking about it yeah and then we're like why don't we just do our own podcast about this and then yeah going back for sure I'm in the same boat as you it's like 
man, I really know everything about these albums. I listened to these so, so much. Yeah, you were really into the genre. Big time. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if Christy Clark blocks me, can I get an invite on to Block Party? You, I, I know. Honestly, last time I was on the show, I said we would have you on Block Party, and we still haven't, but I mean it. You, Yes, we will have you on very soon. We, we definitely want to have you on out. the show. <laughs> and yes, please get blocked by Christy Clark. I would love... I would love nothing more than to talk about that on a podcast. It's very possible. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Mo. People, a curler, a drummer, a teacher, and of course, one of the best damn comedians in the city. He is John Cullen. And I am Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. <laughs>